This podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the History Out of the Box team in their personal capacity. This podcast is meant for listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions, historical or otherwise, may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. And due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. It's summer of 1984, and our hero, Ernest, is conflicted. Oh, Monica, I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? So conflicted. I think you should stay, Ernest. You should stay in Dublin. Go to the 1984 Ping Pong Championship. Follow your dreams. It's sponsored by Chia Pets, after all. I think you're the greatest, most popular kid in school. And most of all, I want you to win. Win for me. I don't know if I can do that, Monica. My parents want me to do so many difficult, conflicting things, like brush my hair and stop being so moody. It's real hard for me in my emotional state right now, Monica, because they also want me to go to summer camp, and that's uncomfortable because they want me to become the greatest explorer of all time, to travel the Atlantic, go down south of the hemisphere to Antarctica with men, lead those men to fight for the world. Something greater, something better than ping pong. You. But I also love you, Monica, and I don't know. I'm so conflicted. Are you staying? Are you going to be here for me when I come back? Well, I don't know, Ernest. See, I love someone. Then I shall leave. I'll leave you, Monica, since you love someone else. How dare you? I will go on to be the greatest explorer of all time. To fight daunting adventures on the endurance for the future. I am particularly liking the progression of your fan fictions in the beginning of each episode. Yeah, that one's going to be really hard to clean up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but before we forget, because we did this last episode, welcome to the 19th episode of History Out of the Box. I am Cam. And I'm Jen. And we are here to talk to you about historical figures. If you couldn't tell by my garb, mm. right here, garb, my face, stuff I'm like wearing. I'm not naked, I'm clothed. To our That's audio good. listeners, they may not know that. I'm clothed. Mm. Uh, we're not historians. We're uh, not even uh, we're not even really history buffs. Everyone knows that historians only show up in monocles and top hats. Yeah, and that's not mm. us. But what I do know is we strive to connect our listeners and our viewers with the ghosts of their collective past. And that's one right. thing I can say is, going forward, I'm going to continue these little spiels with the silly syndrome. Yeah, I've got chronic CSS. Yes, chronic silly silly. Syndrome. I'm quite enjoying it. It's yeah, fun. Good. It's a good. It's a good icebreaker. Which is a hilarious segue into the topic of today, seeing that he spent a lot of time on the ice. But um, so Cam, anywhere in the world, you want to go somewhere? Where do you pick? Anywhere. Anywhere. In the world. Mm-hmm. Atlantis. Oh. I want to go to Atlantis to find 
the treasure hidden there, hidden amongst whatever the Atlanteans had. The power, the technology that they showed in the Atlantis cartoon series when I was a child. Right. If I can't remember the name, what was the name of the main character? Uh, Kida and Milo. Mil- Milo, the great... Yeah, no, I'm not going to continue. Uh, yeah, no, Atlantis. That's where I would go. Well, you know what my answer would be, right? We've talked about this. Also, Atlantis. No, well, close. Antarctica. I think it would be so cool to go to Antarctica because, mm. number one, it's a place not very many people often get to go in their lifetime. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, these days, it does usually cost quite a pretty penny to go. Yeah. And it's uh, not exactly an easy hop and a skip and a jump and away from your United States uh, domestic airport. You know? It is. It is if you have enough money. There will, when you have enough money, you can Elon get there. Musk. Yeah, if you're Elon you Musk. can get there. It just takes a while. I unfortunately am not um, someone who has a private jet mm. at my disposal, so there are a bunch of hoops that I would have to jump through there to never, get to Antarctica. Ever would have guessed that. And for our viewers and listeners who also never would have ever guessed that we do not have a private jet. If you like what you see, if you like what you hear, go ahead. If you want to. You don't have to. You can if you want. Uh, you can find our content on Instagram, uh, and you can also find us on YouTube. A subscription would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, if you head on over to our Instagram, you can go to the link tree, and all of our stuff is in there. You can listen and watch all directly from there. And, you know, who knows? Maybe one day, with your support, we will be able to take a jet. And down to Antarctica to find the Yeti, to capture him and bring him back. And show him to the world so that corporations here in America and across the world could break him down and make him into Yeti glue, because that is what we do best here. We make things. <laughs> yeah, it sort of defeats the purpose, you know, to take a, a, a jet and yeah. to the, the, you know, the polar Just to ice fly cap. Down. But, yeah, I can imagine okay. Elon you never Musk know. just never cruising know. cruising down in his Tesla spaceship landing putting a Tesla flag down like this sounds like it actually is something that's likely to happen at I this have, point I've conquered Antarctica I conquered Twitter and I conquered Antarctica. Antarctica I conquered politics yeah but today we are talking about Sir Ernest Shackleton I'm super excited about this one I know that you kind of know a little bit about him good I, old Spackleton yes I do Spackleton yeah, Shackleton. The first time I heard about Ernest Shackleton was at a conference, actually. Uh, he and his crew were on the daunting adventures of the failed expedition on the Endurance. This is a pretty popular, famous story often used at, you know, leadership development conferences, often referenced in a lot of self-help books for and good one, reason. Yeah, well, and one of the pivotal stories that will feature in our religion, history, religion sponsored by history out of the box right as discussed in previous episode um about saka was it sakagawea no it was alistair crowley Yeah, i'm all mixed up how could you mix her up with him yeah, yeah. how dare you I'm not sure. if you haven't listened to the latest episode of sakagawea we highly recommend it it was a favorite of one of ours yes it was one i said it was top three well I, I said it was a favorite. Uh, we said of one. Now I feel subjugated. Anyway. Either way. Yes. Let's get into the life story of the determined Antarctic polar explorer, the dedicated leader, and one of the most respected failures of all time, Sir Ernest Shackleton. He's Are you ready? really good at ping pong, uh, as expressed in the intro. In your fan fiction intro, yes. Mm-hmm. If he was born in the 1980s, maybe. I wonder if him and Monica made it. 
Yeah, there's no Monica in this story, unfortunately. Okay, well. But born on February 15th, 1874, in Kilkea House in County Kildare, Ireland, the wee babe Ernest Henry Shackleton came screaming into the world, and he would become the second born in a family of 10, two sons and eight daughters. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I just got secondhand uh, age uh, my years came off my life. Yeah, well, they were that. all together living on his father's farm in the beautiful Irish countryside, which goals for me. Yeah, for you, it, yeah, it, that's my number one goal. I happen to understand where he was, and I understand how beautiful it is there. So, mm. been there a few Absolutely times. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, shout out our Irish brethren, kind of lineage. Yeah, all of our Irish listeners, we think your country is absolutely beautiful we think you're beautiful yeah sure <laughs> whatever you want to think oh stop flirting with our listeners there you're my wife and you're gay like okay i can do what i want his mother was henrietta Letitia sophia gavon Letitia. Letitia. yeah are you sure Letitia. 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 okay well Again, Lati- yeah, we tried. Uh, my my Lati- English language public school education in the early 2000s. Okay, I tried my best. Okay, yeah, it's fine. All right. Yeah. Okay, so well, she was a direct descendant of the Fitzmaurices, a family local to carry since the 13th century, which is Holy pretty crap. astounding. Yeah. His father was Henry Shackleton, a farmer who had dreams of becoming a doctor. And in 1880, when Ernest was just six years old, his family moved from to 35 Marlborough road in dublin dublin ireland of course where his father went to trinity college and he studied to become a doctor you know moving from the countryside how easy was that i feel like that would be a tragic thing for me to do but hey easy 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 to do you want to be a doctor uh easy easy for me to do after finishing his education the family moved to south london in 1884 where henry would become a practicing physician for the next three decades it's also said i didn't um really go into depth here but i did read about there was likely some concerns with the family due to them actually being english living in ireland at the time there was Mm. a lot of conflict going on so uh yeah he moved his entire family to south london interesting yeah always seems to be the case with ireland a lot of conflict unfortunately there's a lot of conflict everywhere but yeah unfortunate It's been noted that Ernest was a big reader as a child, and this may have been what sparked his need for a life of adventure. He attended school at Dulwich College beginning at the age of 13 and from 1887 through 1890, but against his father's wishes, who wanted him to be a doctor, he then decided to soldier up and join the Merchant Navy at a very young 16 years of age. 13 years old, he went to college. Well, I think that was like acceptable then. It wasn't like a, I don't think this was like a huge notable. It's not like a 13 year old going yeah. to Harvard today, right? Yeah. But um, it was like a type of school, like a preparatory school. But yeah, he didn't want to follow in his father's footsteps. You know, that's your dream, dad. A la Tro- Troy Bolton from High School Musical. That was Ernest Shackleton. Dad, I don't want to go. Dad, I don't want to go be a professional basketball player. 
partly because I'm Troy Bolton and I'm 5'6 and that's totally not rational. There's no possible way, Dad, that I could go be a professional basketball player. But I can go and be a bodybuilder. I can go and fight on the beach with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I can be super jacked and I can also be Ted Bundy, a serial killer. Because I am Troy Bolton. Zach Efron. Shout out. Troy Bolton. We're big fans. I'm a big fan. Troy Bolton. Anyway. Forever and always. Troy Bolton. In our hearts and in our minds. Troy Bolton. Yeah. Well, just like Troy Bolton. He's such, from High School Musical. such a better actor now. Zach Efron? He's a better actor. He's awesome. He's better now. But just like the character Troy Bolton. Ernest yeah. Shackleton did not want to go be a doctor. He wanted adventure. And one of the easiest ways for him to get that was to join the military when he was a 16-year-old boy. A lot of killing, too. I guess that's part of adventure. I don't know murder, about his... Uh, his uh, Thirst for conquering? I'm not sure about the killing part. Mm. But he wanted to go be... And explore. Yeah, he wanted greater. to get out. He wanted to. He didn't want to be stuck uh, yeah, look, in South did, London. He did what L. Ron Hubbard couldn't. Right. He Actually, an you, actual you're, explorer. You're pretty on the nose, right there. Yeah. Uh, he had been noted for saying his studies were boring to him, even though he wasn't a terrible student. He just didn't like it. He wasn't a school guy, which is notable. I think there's a lot of really, really, really intelligent people out there who just don't like school. And sometimes, hot take from me, one size does not fit all when it comes to schooling. But no, not at all. a whole other podcast. School has its uses, and sometimes it doesn't. Anyway, soon, Ernest was a qualified master mariner, and he became a sub-lieutenant in the Royal Naval Reserve 1901 at the age of 27 years old. By this point, he had traveled all over the world and he had met many people from all walks of life. And he really took that knowledge and all that practice and getting to know people and became well-versed in getting along with others, which seems to be a very notable part of his character, his personality. And a lot of his success in life is attributed to that, mm. being able to get along, being able to be a leader. He was amicable. Yes, amicable, but also... From what I can tell, someone who knew how to be a leader in a situation was not afraid to take action or responsibility. Mm. So, however, the service did not quench his thirst for adventure like he originally thought. He had big goals of exploring the North and the South Poles and the blistering cold and mysterious wastelands called to him. The song of exploration. I just like... I. You know, I think that I get that too. Like, you ever look like I had a brain aneurysm there because I was thinking about Antarctica and, you know, the North and the South Poles. And I was, I was thinking about both of them and just thinking, there's just nothing really down there. Uh, not exactly I mean, there's sure. stuff, I know, there's stuff, but it's like, Listen. you know, comparatively. But when I look out, like, I get it. Like, when I look out into, like, the wilderness, like, I want to travel into the mountains. I want to fight off bears with my bare hands. I want to rip off my shirt and grow chest hair thicker than the bulrush weeds. Oh. I want to become what Ernest Shackleton was. A man. A hairy-chested man. Yeah, like I, it's like I get that. I cannot desire. confirm yeah. nor deny that, but not implying that I'm not a man now. I am. Uh, I just 
there's just something like there's just like this i don't know if you get it I, i've talked with other guy friends and they kind of like they like you know when you're driving through the wilderness like in yellowstone or you're 70 you just look up the mountains and be like i just kind of want to go to that mountain you know um well i think i i i think i would qualify as someone who really likes the outdoors maybe i'm not like sitting here with a tent over my head I'm every not, weekend I'm not, but i do enjoy the outdoors well, not, i can see that, that. I like i'm hiking. saying like a, like a like a innate like it's like a deep desire it's weird it's it's like maybe that's just something for me maybe that's just like a weird maybe i just enjoy when that I say type I of want thing to go to antarctica i want to go there and i do would i'd love to actually like put on the the full gear and go walk and trudge in the snow and see things Cold but also as shit. i would like to sit in a warm cabin of a boat when i depart yeah so see you want to you want to try you want to you want to you want to glamp you want to glamp you want to glamp it's okay yeah, well, own it. Sure, but yes, he was very desperate to feel that exact that that manly man urge that yeah. you so speak of. So, president of the Royal Geographical Society, Sir Clemens Markham, wanted to fund an expedition for this very purpose for scientifical and geographical study. Mm. Big words. Assigning, he then assigned British Naval Officer Robert Falcon Scott as Jesus. the leader. And Scott then chose Ernest Shackleton to accompany him on the ship along with other crew. The ship was called the Discovery. This was in 1901. And they were going to Antarctica on this expedition funded by Markham. What a name. You like that name? Officer Robert Falcon Scott. He's going to be in the story a couple times. Just a, just a name, dude. Like, is that his real name? Is yeah, that like, that's, that's his, his name. Real, his middle name's Falcon. I guess. Like, ah, like yeah. that type of Falcon. Falcon? I'm not sure that was a Falcon noise. <laughs> yeah, that, that, well. It was weak. Mm, it was, it was weak. close to so some yeah. sort of bird. It was a weird, Avian creature. A dying creature. <laughs> a dying avian bird. They departed on July 31st, 1901 from London. And they arrived on the Antarctic coast on January 8th. 1902 mm. making stops in cape town and new zealand along the way now shackleton edited the south polar times which is a newspaper for the ed- expedition he got along really well with the whole crew and he was then chosen to accompany scott and one other to the actual south pole remember this was their goal to explore well likely they actually might not have been trying to go to the south pole that was like a, a good idea but mm. it wasn't the the thing they had to do they wanted to go to the highest altitude which was very close to the south pole but it would be nice if they hit it right they just wanted to achieve something big yeah. i think and they set out for the south pole on november 2nd 1902 remember Southern wow, so they've been they've been here they, they were there for a long time like they settled in and so did their thing you know fun thing little sidetrack from the notes here i think it is no secret in this house that i am a big fan of google earth am i not okay it's out of control yeah she has an addiction i love this is my cry for her help she spends no 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 she spends you go to sleep right go get in bed go to sleep it's bedtime nappy time Cam Cam's time to sleep sleep. I get in bed, getting all ready to fall asleep. My eye opens and there's a blue luminescent glow on the ceiling. And I look over and it's her with her phone this far away from her face. Just scrolling on Google Earth. It our 
people must think that we watch movies till like 4 a.m. in the morning because we don't our have any room, looking into our house. I our think, I room is blue every evening. Listen, there's just so much to see on Google Earth. If you have not partook in exploring Google You're Earth, You're describing I highly right recommend now. that you right now, right now, while drugs. listening, go drug. on your phone and download the Google Earth app. Google Earth, I'll take a check for the for the promotion for this promotion. Is a, this is a drug. And you can look up anywhere basically. You are pitching and amphetamines you see, right now. You can see up close things that maybe you'll never be able to see. You anyway. can see you can see words, you can see sounds and hear colors, bro. Anyway. You just scroll the Google Earth, you Google the Earth, bro, and you zoom right in. Your spouse will be asleep. On Google Not Earth. Not really. On Google Earth, you can actually see some of Shackleton's huts that they built with the team oh, you've and shown me at. you've shown me it's very interesting you also showed me They're, this like one the hut. insides are basically the same as they were when they stayed there well you showed me this one hut where there was like a dead penguin yes in it I yeah did. you yeah i remember it's burned into my frontal cortex i've discovered many things you have my favorite thing to do also is like i, I like to see those places in, in antarctica but also if you go to like two the middle of Brazil, like in the Amazon, and you can find these little towns and it's crazy. Like someone, someone is like just chilling by the Amazon. And I'm like, what must, my life has been so different from this person. I'm so intrigued. Anyway, a lot of people were intrigued and then they went down there and never came back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sidetrack over. No more Google earth talk. (laughs) Sorry to rain on the parade, but you have an addiction. You really do. She has an addiction. Getting back to where we were. They set out for the South Pole on November 2nd, 1902. Now, Shackleton tried as hard as he could at the time to reach the actual South Pole with these two other men, including General Scott. And they broke records as one of the closest to ever reach it on December 30th, 1902, while attempting to cross the Ross Ice Shelf. Again, I highly recommend not even Google or thing it, just Googling it. This is like a huge ice shelf in Antarctica. And they were within 400 miles of the South Pole, but all 22 dogs that they had brought with them died on the journey due to their food becoming tainted. And the three men were worse for wear, hardly making it. They were plagued with frostbite, eventually scurvy, which if you don't know what scurvy is, not a good consider time. yourself lucky. It's not, a, not a very, good very, very horrible thing. Lack of fruit. Lack of fruit. Um, he grew extremely ill and he was eventually forced to turn around. Uh, it's said that he would not let this experience, you know, taint his life. And it's probably a really good thing he turned around because likely if they hadn't, he would have died. Oh, he'd have been done Yeah, he would have been done It's important to note that years later, there were rumors that the return journey had been extremely difficult between Scott and Shackleton. And this was never confirmed, but Shackleton's biographer did note that although they were professional and cordial with each other publicly after this, Shackleton grew to deeply dislike Scott after Scott forced him to return home when he didn't want to after that failed journey. And it's speculated that this is what forced his hand into returning again after Scott reached the South Pole in a later expedition. We will get into so that. So Shackleton, so let me get this straight, Shackleton and Scott obviously didn't like each other coming back because Scott made the executive decision to return. And then that's what's implied, but we then, don't know that for sure. And then Scott came back before Shackleton and made it to the pole before Shackleton. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that, but in a, in a, 
sad state of affairs. Scott was the second person to ever reach the South Pole. He yeah. was beaten narrowly by a Norwegian explorer. Well, you can. And what can I say? Tragically, though, on they, they never return. He never returned from the, the South Pole. My, he passed away, including his entire crew that was with yikes. him. Yikes! My lineage is from Norway and Ireland, so I take responsibility for the Norwegians, the Nords coming down to beat out everyone else except the Irish, Bottom, who came down later and were also successful. Right. Kind of. Bottom line is that it's implied, it's not 100% for certain, but it's implied that Shackleton maybe resented Scott for this decision if he was the one, in fact, who made that executive decision to he turn He could around. have put an Irish curse on him. Maybe. Those are real. As an, as he could have Irish contacted American. a fairy. He could have contacted a fairy. He could have asked the fairy to doom Scott. That could have happened. Who knows? You think I'm joking? I'm being deadly serious. Uh well, fairies are real. He did return home and he returned to London with a keen interest in journalism. And remember, he was writing for that little newspaper down in Antarctica. But shortly thereafter, he was elected as secretary of the Scottish Royal Geographical Society. Wait, wait. what? You said he was Irish. He moved to uh, England, right? pretty sure at the time i'm not 100 certain but wasn't ireland part of the united kingdom at the time probably but I'm, still uh, i'm sorry no. if i'm wrong about that i'm not sure he was born in ireland i'm suspect of him now oh boy on april 9th 1904 ernest married emily dorman and together they had three children whom they named raymond cecily and edward and that's all we'll hear about them there's not much highly documented yeah highly documented i believe edward was actually later an explorer when he was an adult but yes he had three children with emily and he failed to be elected to parliament in dundee in 1906 so he then decided that was the bitter end of his political career he I'm was no done longer, with this I'm no longer skeptical of him he's a true irishman right now in 1907 through 1909 there was a second expedition are you ready Another adventure down to Antarctica. Shackleton was eager to get back on the ice. <laughs> okay, you don't need to. <laughs> well, you're not going to commit? <laughs> oh, I can commit. Shackleton was eager to get back on the ice. In March 1907, Ernest decided to organize another trip to Antarctica, set to depart New Zealand in 1908. He settled on a ship from Newfoundland that had been brought from to London in June of 1907. That ship was called the nimrod okay stop nope not an adventure anymore nope you don't like the nimrod nope the name's not a good one they should have they they should have pushed they should have a b tested that name they should have focus grouped it they should have had some people come in actually come in and say hey this is not this ain't this ain't it fam what would you name that ship not the nimrod okay well it's too late you're too late to name it the shackleton the Shackle Shackleton's boat was called the Shackleton. You'd be that guy? Yeah, why not? Oh, boy. Dear Monica, even though I'm married to Emily and we have three kids, I still love you. Things have gone well for me out here at summer camp. I have my own boat now. It's called the Shackleton, and it makes me at least five and a half times as cool as I was when I left you in high school in 1984. You're welcome to ride the Shackleton with me at any point in time. That's great. 
Yeah, there's nothing more I can say about that. <laughs> That's kind of where I end that one. Right, yep. you should. Yep. He was bestowed a Union Jack to wear on the ship's mast by the Queen herself, and the ship officially left New Zealand on August 7th, 1908 and he was funded with five thousand pounds from the commonwealth government and another one thousand pounds from the new zealand government why does that not why does that not seem like enough well we're talking about late 1800s but the new zealand government actually agreed to front the bill along with the union steamship company for towing the ship to the antarctic circle instead of using up all of their coal from new zealand to the antarctica and saving it for the rest of the journey so it's a very environmentally friendly they were progressive hey, back then. Very progressive yeah. in the late 1800s. Uh, early 1900s. This is in er, 1908. Yes, you are You yeah, are correct. I'm paying attention to the notes. Very nice. Where are you? Did I confuse you with the 19... Look, I know my. I have a lot of fun with chronic, chronic silliness, silliness syndrome. Sorry, the whiskey's getting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have a lot of fun, but it's yeah. not real. Okay, it's not real. I'm glad you're paying attention. I'm paying attention. But by January 16th of 1909, the Nimrod had made it to the Ross Sea. On a map, the Ross Sea is this huge bay-like inlet. It's in Antarctica, and it would be directly south of New Zealand. Mm. The intended base for wintering was the Edward VII Peninsula. But on January 28th, the ship was frozen in the ice. And on the 29th, the team lowered a motor car onto the ice sheet and made it the first automobile to set foot or tire on antarctica isn't that fun when they make cars 17 they should do this this should be one of the premises they should have the car that was the first to set tire on antarctica and it could fast forward and the car could still be around i think they should do a grand theft auto antarctica edition i don't think people would be on board with you beating the hell out of penguins <laughs> like I, dude, just saying like i, I know, have only played that game once for about 30 minutes she, and she i was, did not beat anyone up but i so certainly bad. ran over she's about so 100 civilians so so on a side note uh, we've mentioned this before i've recently introduced way later than i should have uh, red dead redemption to jen and she refuses refuses vehemently to do anything bad even though she is by premise so of the hard. story a criminal outlaw. I literally feel guilty. Like he'll tell me, he's like, rob that guy. He's going to steal your horse. So you should just kill him and rob him. Doesn't it's a video it. game. Every, and I, hey, 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 wait. Okay. Me. First of all, everyone listening knows what Red Dead Redemption 2 is. Okay. You're the only person that is alive today in the United States that has just now discovered Red Dead Redemption well, 2. Well, I'm learning. Um, I did go to a farm and. Wow. Uh, wow. Murder the whole family in the video game. Fascinating. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I showed her Grand Theft Auto Five in the same week. Very exciting for her. And she spent time driving in her vehicle, running people over. So I'm not really sure what the difference. <laughs> that was a difficult. I'm difficult not really sure game. what the difference is because she was laughing maniacally <laughs> while running over just random people on the street. I tried my best. But just like me settling in for a long Red Dead Redemption Two game. Can I ask you a serious question? Yes. You mentioned in the last episode that you would drown your Sims. <laughs> Why is it so difficult for you to do the bad things in Red Dead, but it's easy for you in a game that literally has very little violence in it? Very little. I didn't. Okay, here's the thing. I actually didn't drown my Sims because I had never played Sims. But what I did do was play Roller Coaster Tycoon. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you're telling me you lied. I, 
I mean, I did play, but I wasn't like a big Sims player. Like I wasn't sitting there giving coming home every day and like I need to build but my little so you world. Never ever once drowned someone. I'm in your sure pool. I did, but what I what I did like to do was I like to play roller coaster tycoon, and then I'd build the roller coaster so it didn't have an end track, and then I'd shoot the roller coaster off the edge of the track, and it would land and kill everybody on the roller coaster so why is it so hard for you my brother and i thought it was so funny we would laugh it's like evil. it was such a terrible it evil. was a why is it so it hard a for game. you why is it well if it's a game why is it so hard for you to play red dead right because red dead is too realistic i look into the eyes of the characters oh get out of here get out of here get All out right. of here no enough of that i'm just saying we're moving along conflicting stories and messaging here so Shackleton and his little crew, they were on Antarctica and they settled in for a long winter. Remember the Southern Hemisphere. So winter is, we are currently in the Northern Hemisphere, so it'd be opposite of us. That's so weird. I know. But on October 29th, 1908, Shackleton and three other men set out to trek to the South Pole. And this would be a 1700 mile round trip journey if they were to be successful. Okay. If they were to be successful. However, the team began to run low on rations, and although they used the motor car when they could, they eventually had to shoot some of their ponies for food, and I know, sorry, should have gave you a warning. Party member Frank Wilde, though, did note in his diary on a day after Shackleton gave him one of his rationed biscuits for that day that, quote, all the money minted would not have been enough to buy that biscuit, and the remembrance of the sacrifice will never leave me. So there's just a little tidbit on what his crew thought of Shackleton. Hmm. He was a man of sacrifice and he was willing to give up something that he desperately needed in order to help someone in this case, wild who was not doing too well at the time. Now they were forced to turn around just 97 miles short of the South pole. Oh, just 97 miles. Yeah. Yeah. On January 9th, 1909. But there they climbed the, or they claimed the Victoria Land Plateau for the British crown, which was a really big deal. And they also became the first expedition to ascend Mount Erebus, which is big deal. Isn't, so it wasn't a totally unsuccessful trip. Isn't Mount Erebus like particularly large? I'm not 100% sure right now, but I think it might be the tallest mountain on Antarctica. Our, uh, it's the second highest volcano in Antarctica, but... Mm. It's uh, it's Large active. Enough. That's weird. Active volcano. That's very strange. Yeah. Now, the party returned to base camp February of 1909, but much to their surprise, the Nimrod had actually set sail two days prior to their arrival. They They're, shouldn't have named it the Nimrod. What a Nimrod. They named it the Shackleton. It would have been shackled there until he came back. Right. Well, they lit a signal fire, and the ship did see it and turned around and retrieved them a few days later, so... Thank God that would have been a devastating, but sort of a signal of what's to come. If you have heard anything about the next expedition, you probably can guess. So he returned a hero after his expedition. Shackleton became Sir Shackleton. He was knighted and made commander of the Royal Victorian order and the Royal Geographical Society bestowed him a gold medal. The entire party also received medals and awards as well. But the behind the scenes wasn't so pretty. What what what, what the Royal Victorian Order? What what it's authority does that have? Uh, well, 
I am not well versed in military Great Britain's garb. knighting thing, but but you can still be knighted today. You know, Interesting. Sir Ian McKellen, he was knighted. Pretty sure. Wasn't he like ex CIA or something oh, ridiculous? I have no like idea. I, he, I remember watching something. Um, he was in Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching something where he was describing. He was like, I told Peter Jackson when I was getting stabbed that you get stabbed in the back. It's not a, oh, it's a, and like he described it in such detail. I think he may have killed someone just saying. And like, that is like for total the government, speculation, for, no, not any like, sort of like, accusation. No, it's not at all. Like this is speculation. And I love Sir Ian McKellen. So if he ever sees this, like I just like I'd love to know how he knows that when someone gets stabbed in the back, rather than going, oh, they go, oh. like you know, like <laughs> how, how do you, you know? how do you know that? Well, I I uh, was in London a few years back. I was with you. Yeah, but you weren't with me for this, were you? Were I you? was. I was walking behind you, and I saw him walk by with yes. a very, very pink, fluffy, furry scarf. Yes, yes, we saw him on the tube. It was fun. Big fan. I didn't fangirl though. I'm I not, wanted to stand. In I don't. Front of I him. don't believe personally in. Want to stand in talking front of to him, celebrities when I see like, them. You shall not pass. You know, like stand right in front of him, but I didn't do that, and I resisted right. my urge. <laughs> so, like I said, the behind the scenes when he got back wasn't as pretty as it looked from the outside because the expedition had left Shackleton in some serious debt. I told you, I didn't give him enough money. All that glitter's not gold, right? Well, unable to meet the needs he promised to his financial backers, the government eventually did have to step in and Shackleton was trying desperately to pay them back. It wasn't like he was ignoring them. He was trying everything he could. But it's said that the government cleared about 20,000 pounds of his debt and it's assumed that most of his debts were actually written off by his debtors. I, my, they didn't give him enough money. Like, it, well, like they didn't give him enough money. That's exactly that was on the government. I don't know government. if this pays well being an explorer at the time. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure how the money gets made. Like, do they just? It's fundraising, basically. It's fundraising. Well, I know that from that one. What the the what it was like, 18 Peaks or 21 Peaks? Whether that 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 yeah. great documentary, by the way, um, on Netflix. Nims. Was it, yeah, Nim Nim. I can't remember his uh, for last name. An uh, um, amazing Nepalese British. Yeah. Um, uh, explorer slash mountaineer slash ex-military the 12 peaks something like that where he climbed a bunch of the highest peaks in, in the world in like six months like all of them consecutively uh but yeah great documentary but i learned that from that like i understand it's like fundraising but i just i don't know yeah i don't know what it brings in well there's notoriety because meanwhile he was traveling he was speaking on the lecture circuit and, and attending social engagements which i think is pretty lucrative if you're someone who's able to inspire others to go do these grandier things. And of course it's, it's a pretty lucrative thing to go be a public speaker. But he told his wife that he was never traveling South again at one point, but that wasn't the case. Obviously, if you know anything about Sir Ernest Shackleton, his story is far from over, hmm. but I think this is a good time for a commercial break. What do you think? Uh, I think so. Uh, it's intriguing. Good old Spackleton is uh is has an interesting life so far. Even though I'm wondering how someone makes money as an explorer, um, outside of fundraising. So I guess we'll contemplate that during the break. Monica, I'm writing you again, and I'm like 50 or something now. Chia Pets has gone out of business. 
regrettably should have won the ping pong crown. I can't make any money traveling and exploring anymore. It's no longer popular. It's, dare I say, not en vogue. What should I do? Write me back. Tell me from your heart, even though I'm married to Emily and I have three kids, tell me from your heart what I should do. For I'm in need of you, Monica. I need your wisdom and your love. Back at it again. I just love the music. I, no, it's I, good. It's silly 80s I'm music. really wondering what happens with Monica in this whole story. Little does he know. Shackleton. Good old Ernie. Monica died horribly. Oh, what happened? Unicycle accident. Oh, boy. Yeah. Can't even imagine what that looks like. She was a famous unicycler. He was a famous ping pong player. Oh. She unicycled to and fro. She got sponsored by to the, and fro specifically. the local Dublin Zoo and thought it would be a good idea to unicycle in the, uh, the lion's cage. Right. Again, brilliant storytelling. Yeah. Good job, Cam. I just wish that she had made a better decision. Well, while Monica is 100 years in the future getting ripped apart by lions on her unicycle, we are going to go back. Believe it or not, they just pushed her over and she fell and snapped the neck and left her alone. So We're going to go all the way back to 1914. Ernest Shackleton, again, he's been dealing with the debt. He's been dealing with his wife saying, I'm not going to go back, but he wants to go back. She was drafted by Chia Pets. I mean, she had a bright future ahead of her and the unicycling world fell apart after she passed away. So this is very Tom Brady of him. I think Tom Brady of Monica, Monica say him. No, of Ernest Shackleton. Oh, he's promising. Hey, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's not tarnish Tom Brady's name. No, no Uh, tarnishing here. The reason I say this is because he's going through a real tough time. Listen, the fantasy num- I know we know him personally, fantasy and we know are, all the depths of his personal life. Fantasy and numbers are down. Fantasy numbers are down. Oh. Relationship status, questionable. I wish them all the best, whichever way they decide Just, to go. Yeah. Now, we're going to call this a very successful failure. In the 1914 expedition, Ernest Shackleton's third Antarctic expedition, and his most famous much to Shackleton's shock, the Norwegian explorer, like we talked about earlier, Roald Amundsen, he reached the South Pole and he was not able to, uh, well, he did beat Scott and Scott, General Scott, who went with Shackleton on his first trip, was upset because they were like racing. It was like the space race. They were trying to race to get to the South Pole. He was beat. Unfortunately, Scott and his entire crew did not make it back from the South Pole, but they were uh, recorded as being second to reach it. Very sad. A whole other story in itself. But um, this one is about Ernest Shackleton. So Naval Officer Scott didn't make it back, but he did make it. And this is said to have spurred Shackleton on because remember, he's wanted to go to the South Pole. He's been to Antarctica twice and had to turn around both times. He wants to do it. Yeah, he can't be left out of the front group. No. FOMO. He had major FOMO. He wanted to go to the South Pole. So he jumped up on the ship that he called the Endurance, named after his family's motto, By Endurance We Conquer. Such a better name. Nimrod was not it. It's pretty, it's like the perfect name for Shackleton this ship. Shackleton should have been the best name, but I'm not sure why he didn't go that way. He had a new 
goal, though, not just to reach the South Pole. He wanted to cross the entire 2,000-mile span of Antarctica via the South Pole, and Shackleton was determined, and he was off. Now, this would be his third trip to Antarctica, and he set off with 28 men and 68 husky dogs from Winnipeg. It should be stated that another crew of 28 and more dogs would be waiting on the other side when they crossed. Talk about a really, like, to be the other crew would kind of suck. We didn't, I didn't write a lot about the other crew here, but there is a story there about the other crew. And maybe I'll give you a little follow up at the end of this part about what happened with them. But by early 1915, Ernest's ship, the Endurance, it became frozen and trapped in the ice off of Card Coast. That's in Antarctica. And 10 months later, on November 21st, the ship had actually sunk beneath the ice after being crushed by the icebergs and the crew of 28. They had already abandoned the ship to live on the ice sheet, but the situation was now extremely precarious because all they had were the ship's three small lifeboats and they were floating away from Antarctica slowly on an ice sheet. Can you get off and like walk around on the ice sheet? Yeah, like it's it's like an ice sheet. They they're walking, they're living on it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They they were living on it for months. Admittedly, it's the summer months, but yes. But fun fact, new fact, cool fact. March 9th of twenty twenty two, so a mere few months ago, ten thousand feet under the ice, about four miles from where it originally was lost, the endurance was rediscovered at the bottom of the Antarctic Ocean hmm. just this year. It, wasn't it like in perfect condition too? Well, think about how cold that water is. It, it, you can definitely look it up and it's not in quote perfect condition, but it's in really, really good condition. No, they could pull it up and they could float it back. I don't know. I it's think they're going to leave it there. It's drivable. They could drive, they they could drive should back. just leave yeah, it there. That's my per- personal opinion. Yeah. Just to bring it up. Just look, get a Tesla battery, put it on the, get some the towels. Ship. Yeah. What? <laughs> Rinse it off. Scrub off the barnacles. Yeah. Scrub it. We're no, good. you can leave the barnacles. You just want to polish them and make them look nice. Put the yeah. Tesla battery on. It's actually really cool. Cause if you look at the photos they took of it, it, they have the, is it the hull or the bow? I'm sorry. I'm not a seaman. What? Of <laughs> like a seafarer. Well, we all were at one time. Oh uh, my gosh. One of the first. It, it's either it, or. It says the word endurance on the boat and it's in really pristine con- condition. So it's really cool. The bow. Okay. There we go. But yeah, so five summer months on this ice sheet. Summer months in Antarctica isn't exactly a tropical vacation or even a moderate climate, but the group floated on this iceberg, drifting away from the continent, and no one knew where to find them at all. So April 15th of 1916, the group was striking major luck when they neared Elephant Island. Why is it called that? Were there elephants? I'm assuming elephant seals, but that is me just guessing. But I'm not 100% sure about that. I want to imagine that there were actual elephants on the island. Well, there were none when they went there, but they clambered on to their three small boats. They got on shore and off of the ice, and they hadn't been on solid ground at this point in 497 days. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a very long time. (laughs) Can you imagine? You're just floating on ice. And but they were twenty eight men. No one, no one had fallen, and died. Where did they poop? Probably on the ice. But where on the ice? Probably into a bucket that they flung out into the ocean. Some chum for the water. Interesting. 
Now, Elephant Island is a small island off the coast of Antarctica. And if you're picturing a map or a globe, it would be slightly southeast of the Cape Horn area, which is the southernmost tip of South America. So they were in like the worst possible place to be because that's not a fun place to be. It's extremely dangerous part of the ocean. Bad, bad weather. Especially even today. Yes. Like they don't have much. I don't think much ships go through there. Um, Part of the reason why everyone was so excited about the Panama Canal was because, because that, you didn't yeah. have to take the ships all around. Like isn't, wasn't Obviously, there like there's a, ton, a distance issue. but not there like a ton of like shipwrecks down there just because ships just go missing all the time? Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure of the details, but yes, you can assume. It's a dangerous part of the ocean. Yeah, big waves. Yes. Now, Elephant Island also was no luxurious island, okay? It was basically nothing but rock and ice. And even today, Google Earth it. You can't really see any of it on Google Earth. It just looks like a big chunk of rock and ice, you know? Uh, Luckily, though, it had lots of penguins and seals for food. So they had that. Unfortunately, they did have to kill many of their dogs for food. I'm sorry. I know that hurts some people's hearts, but the reality of the situation was they had to live. (laughs) Yeah. No, like, look, I love a doggo just like anyone. Thankfully, we don't have to eat them here, but it is like culturally appropriate to eat them elsewhere. So just get over it. So same with horses, like odd, but thing that is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they did have to eat some of the dogs, but they had penguins and seals as well. They would have sustenance now, better sustenance, but winter was coming. Remember, this was all during the summer months. So no one knew where to look for them. The winter months are coming. Shackleton decided he could not let it end like this. So taking five others with him. Shackleton took one of the small 22-foot boats that he named the James Card, and they set off, spending 16 days crossing 800 miles of ocean, just the six of them on a 22-foot boat. To be clear, the ocean, again, around this area is extremely dangerous, extremely rough, and it's unsafe for even large vessels at most of the time to travel through there. But he was determined. I mean, what is he going to just die? I mean, like, well, I, I think there was a point where they said, we don't have a choice. It's either you die there, or you die somewhere else. I mean, I'd rather die in a adventurous sort of way than die on an island surrounded by elephant seals, penguins, and my deceased doggos. Dogs. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, one of Shackleton's crewmates on the small boat, Tim McCarthy, spotted south georgia also known today as the south sandwich isles and again on a map this would now be northeast of of elephant island and directly east of the southernmost tip of south america in the south atlantic still dangerous still extremely dangerous if you look on a map that's not that far away from each other but don't forget how far away the the world's a very big place and a mile on the ocean is long enough in my opinion not to mention uh how many miles 800. 800 of them yeah it's a lot eventually they got off the boat well very quickly actually they got off the boat and the group of men still had a very perilous journey ahead of them there were mountains glaciers heaps of snow and they had to make their way over 32 miles of it to get to the stromness whaling station where they knew they could get help and they made it all six of them made it. Yeah. And astoundingly, 
Not one human member of the original expedition died during this entire time because three and a half months later, after three previous attempts of trying to rescue his crew that was still on Elephant Island, Shackleton himself in a Chilean tugboat called the Yelco rescued the remaining 22 men in August of 1916. So all, every single one of these people, after how many we're talking hundreds and hundreds of days yeah. on an ice sheet in the South Atlantic, one of the most dangerous parts of the entire ocean slash world made it. It means the people that he left were well equipped is what it means. Right. So like it means his team was in full of uh, very equipped and experienced badasses. Yes. And there are a lot of testimonies from each of these people. I mean, I didn't jump into all of their names because it's just a rabbit hole. It's just, just a lot of them. There's a lot of really amazing people who were on that crew and they're definitely worth looking into. So I'd highly recommend it. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty amazing story of endurance. That's hence why this entire tale is uh, very often told as a symbol, a story of leadership and making a very dark and desperate situation uh, positive in the sense of, again, this was the most successful failure ever, right? Because they didn't make it to the South Pole yeah. again. But what an amazing experience and tale of, you know, a lifetime. I can't think of a single other and maybe it's just because I have an alcohol in my system. I can't think of a single other story historically that is as perilous, not as perilous. There's definitely some as perilous, but like so many thin threads of things needing to happen exactly right in order for people to live. Um, the, maybe uh, World War II would probably be the the more extreme because well, that's, that's phenomenal. There's definitely a lot of stories you hear about... Um, People in war who somehow make it out in like very perilous situations. A lot of explorer ones too. Uh, the one thing that I was going to just as a tidbit about the other group of men who were on the other side of the continent, they were able to meet up and obviously didn't work out for anybody. They didn't make it, but three people on that side passed away. Mm. So it's very interesting that all this crazy stuff was going down in the endurance and no casualties, obviously, except the dogs. But he headed home. And guess what? After that entire journey, guess where Ernest Shackleton ends back up? Europe in May of 1917. That's World not War a good time. One. Yeah, that's not a good time to go. He was too old at this point to be conscripted, but he volunteered for the army nonetheless. And he repeatedly asked to be sent to France to be, you know, on the front lines and the real thick of it, which if you know anything about World War One and what was going on in France at the time, you probably understand just how brutal that was for um, countries and a generation of people. It was just terrible. Speaking of military, um, we should eventually talk about Simo Heha. Oh, yeah. You told me about that one. Do you know who that is? No. Most dangerous sniper of all time. I'm sure we could do that one. Not next, but eventually. Duly noted. But yes, this was a scary time for the world, yeah. obviously. Uh, but yeah, he, he wasn't sent to France after many unsuccessful attempts to go there. 
But at this point, he did begin drinking heavily. Now, again, I was born many, many years after World War One. You don't say. <laughs> um, and I've lived a very cushy life in comparison to mm. what these people on, you know, so many different levels lived through. But I can imagine that World War One was a pretty um, understandable reason for a lot of people to turn to the bottle. Yeah, that in World War Two. Yeah, and and World yeah. War Two and the Vietnam War and all the like, Korean going. War yeah. and yeah, every war ever. War yeah, in general. War generally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in October, War of the Worlds. Um, I mean, like, yeah, there's only like think of yeah. the War of Tanks, Tank Wars, that cell phone game that I've never downloaded, War, World of Tanks, whatever it's called. There's wars there too. There's wars to be had. Drinking problems to develop. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know? but I also think that I understand why a lot of people began drinking heavily during those times. But in October of 1917, he was sent to Buenos Aires to assist in the British propaganda in South America. However, he was not a qualified diplomat, and convincing South American countries to join the Allies was an unsuccessful venture of his, and he was back home by April of 1918. Now, he was to be sent on a mission to northern part of Norway at this point, but he fell ill, and and it's not confirmed, but it is speculated that he had suffered a heart attack, and that's why he wasn't able to complete this Norway mission. It was a plant that he was going to be running, like a mining plant, as a guise of having a presence in Norway. Oh, I bet you know where it is. Like, there's a bunch uh, of... I, I didn't write down the name here, but... Well, a yeah. bunch of those plants um, actually were used by the Germans um, in the nineteen in World War Two. Yeah, like those northern, northern, and there's a lot of stories like Simo Heha, one of the, the people I mentioned. Like, there's a lot of stories related to that time period of individuals like him that had to infiltrate specific bases up north because of their value. Right, and it also makes sense that he would be chosen as someone to go up north, considering all of his experience being in polar, you know, climates. Especially in July of 22nd of 1918, he was actually appointed as a temporary major and served in the North Russia Expeditionary Force in the Russian Civil War. And his role was mostly to advise them on how to train British forces in the Arctic conditions of Russia, north, northern Russia. Interesting. So, World War One does come to pass. You want that story. You're not going to get it today. But it is a story. If you want to really go on a deep dive. Just Google World War One, but <laughs> anyone who doesn't know what World War One is watching this, yeah, no, I just mean like the entire. Well, I think eventually we should scene find, of events here. Yeah, we should find some people eventually associated with both those wars that we can talk about specifically. Right. Well, after being discharged in October of 1919, Shackleton went on to write his book. Published in 1919 was the account of his entire journey on the Endurance, and thereafter going to Elephant Island in South Georgia, and the book was called South. He was back on the lecture circuit, but remember, he still had a dream. He had been to Antarctica three times, and three times he had failed to reach the South Pole. So, tragic. I mean, can you imagine just like... <laughs> Taking so much of your life and your life savings and your time and time away from your family to go to a desolate part of the world and to just keep failing 
over and over again. And yes, you had this great story and this like huge thing that happened on the endurance. But if that wasn't like, it's, it's gotta be so hard to let that go. I don't think he could. I think if he had not have, I mean, he, that's one of those things where I feel like he would have just done it until he just died there. Well, 1921, his final expedition and fourth to Antarctica with stars in his eyes. Ernest Shackleton, Sir Ernest Shackleton could not be swayed. He wanted to return to Antarctica with the goal of circumnavigating the continent. He launched his fourth and final expedition on a ship called the Quest. They launched from England on September 24th, 1921. And it's notable that many of the Endurance Expedition crew, they actually hadn't been fully paid their wages for their work on that fateful expedition where luckily they all kept their lives, but didn't get their full paychecks. However, most of them actually still signed on to join Ernest's crew on the quest and his fourth expedition due to the respect they had for this man. They often referred to him as, quote, the boss. They had a massive amount of respect for him. And the fact that, you know, your boss hasn't got you paid yet and you're still willing to go on this crazy, crazy life, likely life-changing, could-be life or death situation is pretty telling i think to the at least the type of leader and man his crew thought ernest shackleton was yeah unfortunately at the beginning of the official journey on january 5th 1922 in the early hours of the morning ernest passed away from a heart attack off the coast of south georgia the very place where he had found rescue for his crew on the endurance expedition he was just 47 years old and it's speculated that he was under immense strain due to the expeditions and the financial undertaking that they required of him, and that these matters eventually weakened him. He had also previously suffered what was likely a heart attack in Rio de Janeiro a few weeks prior, and he had refused medical treatment. Yeah, so he... he <sighs> it's unfortunate, but he, bas- he basically did what, uh, what uh, Arthur did in Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> I'm bringing it back to Arthur. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Don't get, spoiler alert. It's been much luck. You're the only one that doesn't know what actually happened, and she even knows what happened. She looked it up. <laughs> I just like spending my days just. Yeah, boy. Yeah, it's my just boy. Forty-seven years old to die yeah. of a heart attack. That's young. Well, yeah. kind of. No, it's young. Kind of young. That's young. It's also speculated that he may have had a heart defect because. Um, well, it's not 100% sure, but some speculate he had like the hole. In, I don't know. It's officially called but like a hole in the heart. You hear yeah, often yeah. people have that. So he was buried in South Georgia by request of his wife, Emily. They actually were going to take him back to London. And she said, no, 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 bury him there. Sadly, sadly, he never accomplished his dream of reaching the South Pole. And though his life was large, he passed approximately 40,000 pounds in debt Holy he, crap. He was about in today's money 2.3 million pounds in debt. Uh well, that's 2021 money. So in 2022 money, that might be double <laughs> considering inflation. But his small estate of 556 pounds, which is around three thirty-three thousand pounds today, was entirely bequeathed to his wife, and she survived him by 14 years, passing away in 1936. Today, you can still visit Ernest, Sir Ernest Shackleton's grave in South Georgia with the South Sandwich Isles. And though 
he has a legacy and an amazing story to his life. When you learn about that final dream of his not coming to fruition, it's telling, it makes him more of a man, I think, in the sense of like, when I, when I say that, I mean like it makes it more of a human situation. It's not like this ethereal figure that you can't look Just at. Just could and never see. lose and all that. Yeah. Right. And it also puts into perspective like today, he had no idea likely that in 2022, while he's long past the lecture circuit today with the likes of some of the most notable public speakers in the world still talk about his leadership and dedication to his crew in a situation that likely was life or death, not even likely was a life or death situation. Mm. And sometimes the things that we think we want most don't be the things that people remember us by. So that is the story of Sir Ernest Shackleton. We need to be careful with our alcohol intake. What? You didn't like that? It was good. It was good. Was it bad? No, I just mean, just generally, I just don't, it's, I'm not used to you drinking whiskey, and I'm not used to drinking yeah. whiskey while I do this. He he was making fun of me. It tones me down. It tones me down. Like, you're drinking peanut butter whiskey. I actually I am, am old-fashioned. Uh, it just tones me down. Like, I'm, I'm like, really mellow right now. But am yeah. I not? No, you're fine. You're fine. I just... I just... It just I don't... I don't know. It almost breaks your heart when you hear about someone who you feel like deserved to to yeah. make that that to to make that step in his life to feel that accomplishment and you want to hope you want to hope that when he passed he didn't feel like a failure but you often yeah. you have to wonder how would i feel in that situation i mean i don't think a lot of people have chance to focus on what they feel as they pass away but okay I, but well i, I do mean, think i do think yeah i get what you're saying i get it yeah um yeah that's uh that's probably one of the saddest ones we've done i just i want i really want to do his his uh his episode because i had known a little bit about the endurance expedition mm -hmm. and i didn't know until i started researching it a bit just how kind of tragic that end is and it's not even like meant to be it's all about how we frame it in our minds like can we not look at this man's life as a whole and say you know his crew was willing to go to the ends of the earth literally with him mm -hmm. twice so i mean isn't when, that reminiscent though of most people who make huge impacts in the world i mean you like you, like this is the I don't think a lot of us really consider that the sacrifices that people make to do these types of things, whether it be found a country or create an ideology or a failed religion or um, lead a country or, um, you know, be a famous actress or be an explorer like Ernest Shackleton. I mean, there's a myriad of other occupations of people when they reach this extreme level of notoriety. I don't think a lot of us realize the amount of sacrifice that that, re that really takes for those people to reach. And I don't think a lot of us realize the, the immense amount of toll that it takes on these people. I mean, uh, wasn't Judy Garland like, hey, didn't she pass away in a terribly sad way too? I mean, like it, yeah. like, so it's like, it's a lot of these individuals, like they, he, he was doing what he loved. I mean, that, that's the Which thing that you can say. Extremely admirable. Well, that's the thing that you can say is like, 
he might not have made it to the South Pole, but the accomplishment, like directly to the South Pole, but the accomplishment of not only saving all those men's lives, but doing what he wanted to do and doing what he loved his entire life, or most of his life, is that's kind of the point, you know? Yeah, I think that's the message to take away from this, for sure. But yeah, before I get emotional over my peanut Um, butter whiskey about Sir Ernest Shackleton. Yeah, that... That's a that's a sad one. I, I don't. That's too sad. <laughs> that was too he, sad. He's, he's on the lower end of the. I like the message. The message of the story is I, the best message so far, but it, he is too sad. I truly didn't mean to make it too sad. I just wanted to make a point. Almost that, as sad as Elron Hubbard. Unfortunately, Almost. I think I just think that sometimes when we when we hear about stories of historical people, it's so often that you just sort of so surface level. I mean, this man passed away heavily in debt, refusing medical treatment that likely maybe could have saved his life. And Don't refuse medical treatment. Don't do it. Just get it. Just get the go. Go to the doctor. Go. Go to the doctor. If you have a cavity, go to the dentist. Just go do it. That's our. Hot I know take it's. Here. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But I mean, and, and again, you know, you you make these these characters in life, these George Washingtons, these Sacagaweas, they, 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 they're these huge characters in a storybook, but they aren't. They were real people who had real problems and did really amazing things with their life that we should recognize and be proud of. I mean, this guy was an alcoholic. I don't know if he was an alcoholic. He turned to the drink. Well, come on. I mean, like maybe he's not an alcoholic, but he had his issues. He had his vices. So, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's. it's I also sad. imagine a couple poles of whiskey do a lot of good when you're in the Antarctica, <laughs> like yes and like no. wilderness. Yeah, yes and no. Um, but yeah, what am I? I've never been down there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, that's a that is Ernest Shackleton. That one was kind of a sad one. What I recommend taking away from that is understanding that even when things don't go the way you want them to. You can always rob someone in Red Dead Redemption. You can take them for all that they're worth. You can go to the bank. You can steal the money. You can find the gold bars. You can sell the gold bars. You can take a bunch of carriages. You can steal those carriages, kill the people who owned it, drive them to the fence, the carriage fence, sell them, get money, beat people up, steal things, shoot people. You can be the criminal that you've always wanted to be. There you go. That's what we're we're here to tell you about is Red Dead Redemption too. Um, this is a huge commercial for Red Dead. Redemption it really too. was, yeah. Ernest Shackleton. Uh, they should do a explorer version. Um, Grand Theft cool. Auto. Uh, that would be hilarious. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was uh, episode nineteen, Sir Ernest Shackleton. Um, I mean, I don't really know what else to add. I, <laughs> I know that we have. Uh, I think we've agreed on who the next person is going to be. I believe so. <laughs> Who are you thinking? Uh, telepathy with me uh i think we know we'll leave it as a surprise um surprise maybe a little a little less uh heartbreaking at the end yeah maybe maybe if i too i'm thinking of maybe not um oh boy yeah but anyway uh thanks for tuning in thanks for watching uh if you liked what you saw if you liked what you heard if you liked what any of the show uh you can if you want to follow us on instagram for the latest content you can also find us uh on youtube uh, instagram would be hot podcast and youtube is history out of the box now that youtube has youtube handles because they're trying to get attention to people who are not corporately funded um they have handles now so you can find us um but yeah episodes every tuesday audio wise and video wise every wednesday but we will see you guys uh, in well for us two weeks because we're recording this early because we're on vacation next week um but yeah we will see you soon thanks for tuning in and uh yeah thank you bye
Hey there, Cam here, and I just want to thank you for spending some time with Jen and I today. If you like the episode and what we're creating for you here at History Out of the Box, please give us a follow on Instagram and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Music. This helps our podcast grow and allows our team to continue doing what we love. We appreciate your support and we can't wait for you to hear the next episode.